A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to episode 109 after the QPR game. I'm Dan Moylan with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. And Daniel Chapman, Moscowite. Hello. So in a bit then we'll be previewing Bolton, looking back on the QPR game in just a second. And of course, as always, picking our heroes and villains of this last week. First of all, thank you if you bought our fanzine. Uh, issue 5 with the brilliant Pablo Hernandez Indiana Jones cover was out for the QPR game on Saturday. You can still grab that online. Do check out the Winter Clobber jumpers, hoodies, t-shirts, all that on there. And if you fancy supporting the podcast, get yourself a digital subscription. Quid a month and for that you get all the magazines from the season and you get to listen to us as well. Everything you need is at the squareball.net. Four games on the bounce, gentlemen. Maximum Easy. points. It's getting good, is this? We like it, don't we? New unfound positive territory. Just say the same thing every week. One again. Nothing to add. Podcast done. Three more points in the bag. Everybody go home. Undefeated since we returned. Worth saying. All these podcast curse rumours. That's a very good point. No such thing. What has arrested the slide that was definitely beginning with the West Brom game. We've come and shored it back up. Pushed it like a flying buttress. Keeping Janssen upright instead of on the floor crying. 2-1 against QPR, then fell behind. This was the classic game of four halves, wasn't it? Mm, isn't that... That's gridiron. Four halves? No, four quarters. Can't what, four what do you, don't throw this weird maths at me. I'm, I'm not good with numbers. It was just a play on words, but you've ruined it now. <laughs> Thanks. Well, if what you mean is that we started really well and then we almost dicked it up by conceding a stupid goal, yes, that's kind of what happened. I thought we were really good at the start. I thought we were going to do them about 10-0. Yeah, because I'm dropping magazines back at the car. I don't tend to get in until a few minutes. And walking to the ground, there was a big, ooh, which I found out was Roof almost scoring within the about two minutes. Yeah, I think he had two chances in the first three minutes. And that was the point where I was like, this is going to be really easy. Yeah, and so then Roof ended up being really weird because it was the kind of game where you think, well, that guy cannot score anymore. And Pat Bamford is sitting on the bench and then he ends up scoring two. And then you think, well... It's difficult when you're coming away from a game looking at strikers saying, well, you should have had six, really, so you've got to have a long, hard look at yourself for that performance. The sort of chances he was missing, it it does make you wonder about Vidra because he was clearly our first choice over summer and he's the sort of striker who I would fancy for that sort of a chance, the sort of thing that just drops you in the box. Roof's done incredibly well this year and I think he's maybe a bit more of an all-rounder than Vidra in that he can he can play wide and he can cut in and things. But for that for that kind of chance, I don't know. It was that one clicks shot when it was deflected and dropped in the six yard box. Should have been just buried like volleyed into the back of the net instead of just kind of scuffed mm. a little bit. But 
Hernandez missed one like that as well as a shot at the back post and just kind of swung and just kind of didn't quite connect with it, which he does a lot. Which ruined uh, what was a beautiful run from Shackleton as well. That was that was after he'd run the full length of the pitch, you do the little a little give and go, and then Pablo not wanting to uh, give a youngster any credit, just deliberately missed. I think. And did you kind of think, oh well, here we go, back to typical Leeds form, you know, when we went behind. My thought when we went behind was because it was the same referee from the Birmingham match and because QPR's goalkeeper had already started time-wasting when it was nil-nil. Very, very slow time-wasting as well, taking ages over a goal kick. I thought we were in for a repeat of the the Birmingham match where they would just stick all 11 behind the, the ball and then time-waste as much as possible and we wouldn't be able to break them down. So I was I was dreading that happening. Yeah, I mean, they were time-wasting at nil-nil even more so when they were in the lead and then even when we equalised, it was clearly that they would have continued to do it until the game ended, just taking forever over goal kicks and things. Who starts time-wasting at nil-nil? McLaren had come before the match, uh, like a couple of days before, he'd said that they'd had too many 3-2s and 2-3s lately and they needed to get back to just 1-0s and 1-1s. So that's what he he was saying he wanted. He didn't want an open game. Um, and they don't want open games against... I said this on the... The match report that I put on Square Ball website, Gary Monk, Steve McLaren, supposed to be progressive, exciting coaches. Steve McLaren was an innovator. He practically popularised Prozone on his own, went to Man United, managed England. And then here they are with a chance to sort of prove themselves against Bielsa. And they go, tell you what, lads, everybody behind the ball, waste time as much as possible. They'll probably sitting around going like, oh, can I have a glass of wine with you after, please, Mr Bielsa? Mm-hmm. And he'll say, uh, there's not any grown-up coaches I can talk to, please. Vulgar, isn't it, Michael? And vulgar. You, and you More vulgarity. How dare they? How dare they? Nice little dink through from Pablo. I think most of the other players on the pitch, certainly on our team, probably would have absolutely leathered that one, but a nice little dink through to Roof for that equaliser and a nice little finish. Do you think that was a dink? I thought it was a miss-it shot. No, he lined, He was. you could see he, he made sure. A controlled toe-end, I think it was. Yeah. I thought it was a, a weak shot, personally. Because he, if he was going to take a weak shot, he would have done it first time or second time but he spent a while lining up that gap and I think he deliberately just thought I'll just toe punt it and at see. roof basically yeah I don't know if it was at roof or into the corner but I think there wasn't the space to leather it and Saez had just tried to leather it and it was blocked and he thought no I think it's with that I think overall that goal's kind of underrated because we had the ball for about a full minute beforehand going down the left went down the right turned around and couldn't get across and people were getting a bit agitated oh, get, get it in the box Patience. Shackleton Patience. again, another run all the way down the wing, got to the byline, and then that's the moment that the chaos started. I was, I was re-watching the, um, well, the extended highlights on LUTV, and you can hear on the highlights the crowd going, come on, in the box, in the box, and the commentator's saying it as well. But it's, it just shows the faith the players have in the system, and possibly that they, they'll get a bollocking if they just pump it into the box. It's true that he doesn't really have another plan, but that's because his main plan is generally pretty good. It's really good, isn't it? <laughs> Really, really good. I think there was also as well that general thing. We needed that goal like to go in at half-time so Steve McLaren could organise them even deeper and discuss even how they could take even longer over things. It had to happen. And once we got that equaliser, I kind of thought, we should be okay here. We'll sort this out now. Because they'll change the game and they didn't have the lead to defend anymore. We should give credit as well to Tomo on Twitter, who is at LUFC1992, who was the person that we referenced on the last podcast, 108, whose theory it was about lifting the curse, the penalty curse, and thus it came to pass. And it, was it a penalty? I, There's only one angle of it, so I've not... Others, if I've seen a couple of other angles and I've still got no idea. It looks like he kind of, like he slaps the ball away from Ruth's head 
it doesn't look natural. It's kind of his hand is up by his own head and the ball moves and you can't, I can't work out what other body part it would be apart from like him, like a, I'm, I'm doing, what's this gesture called that I'm doing, Dan? What's this? Oh, you. Limp wristed. Yeah, uh, he's like a... It's a bit Frank Spencer. A Frank Spencer kind of, oh, I'm just slapping that ball away. One for younger uh, listeners. Pra- <laughs> practically a hate crime going on over there, over the desk. He was quite a big, quite a big, hard-looking man as well. The way you're, the way you've um, camped him up is extraordinary, to be honest. Well, if you're going to slap a ball in the box, I mean, they got away with it was um, was it the Brentford player who got away with punching it in the box? So that's vol- I don't know if any volleyball technique where you actually slap the ball. It was like an open palm situation. Oh, well, we deserved it anyway. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, are we just happy to take it on good faith and just ignore the need for any evidence? Is that yes. fine? Yeah, we're all right with that. We, we do one. Same with Kemal Reeves' handball against Nottingham Forest. I don't care. Does it does it make up for <laughs> losing the European Cup final in 1975? No. So, fine, we've got a lot of credit in the bank to, to go out before anybody could say Leeds are, are getting any luck or favouritism from referees. So, take it. We've got a lot of cheating left to do. Were we worried when there was the little squabble for the penalty? I never like to see that. I always feel it puts a lot of pressure on the taker when they've had to wrestle the ball off someone else. It was a proper one as well with them just like like kids grabbing the ball. Like, you just give me that and I'm going, no, no. And like moving it behind his back and stuff. Get off! Yeah. Get off! Tell me, Dad. But yeah, it's, uh, I guess they must have just been in the mode. It's been so long since we'd had a penalty. Forgotten. Yeah, we're just not, nobody's thought about it. Are we going to decide who takes penalties? No point. I was going to say, well, they decide a captain themselves. That's true. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that had a similar level of argument with them all like squabbling over the armband. No, Who I was captain? It. it was Hernandez. Was it? Completely missed. So that. he could have pulled rank. He could have gone, you gave me this, now give me that. I don't know, Kima scored. And Hernandez was over-celebrating afterwards. There didn't seem to be a... Like he didn't go skulking off, swearing revenge. Steve McLaren wasn't happy though, was he? I don't care. Good. I mean, he's, he'll say that, but like I was saying last on the last pod when we previewed this, he's not interested. He doesn't care if QPR go up, go down. He's drawing a wage, he gets to live in London, it's fine. He's, oh, Marcello Bielsa, I've got a game against him next week, that could be really good for my career, but don't care actually, I'll just, just set us up to defend, it's fine. Is Matt Smith available? Is he fit? Right, stick him on the bench. So we've got Plan B. He don't care. So it just gives him something to moan about. He's had basically a twenty-year career off once being at Man United. Yeah, it's not enough, Steve. You to know. be fair, I mean, you could say the same for Alex Ferguson. <laughs> I mean, he was, he, his team was quite good, though. Yeah. They were all right. Yeah. Have we got? Have we got a bit of Ferguson's manu about us? In that we're just we kind of other teams almost seem resigned to us beating them at points. In this, in in the way of this, no, where, no. Do you know what? you're right in that we've got a lot of confidence about us. Like we don't, we, we seem to like we're going into every game ready to win it now. I don't know. Yeah, yes, a bit of that, a bit of you know, if as an opposition, you'd be like, oh, we've taken the lead, but probably won't hold on. Is, to it. is that what successful teams do? I've completely forgotten. I think so. There was some grumpiness about around the way this game was won that it wasn't a great performance. But to me the first quarter or the first half of the four halves or whatever you, you're trying to tell me happened <laughs> was really good. That was almost, uh, it wasn't quite as crisp, but it was getting back to what we were doing at the start of the season, like going really fast, creating lots of chances, lots of crosses in. And then that we ended it with uh, six foot five Arpo Halme up against six foot five Matthew Smith, the Finnish French Clash of the Titans I meant to say French rather than French, but I'm sure people worked it out. Um, I just thought it was your exotic accent. <laughs> Finnish French. 
the we, yeah we basically had to survive 15 minutes of it just being banged in the mixer that's actually really good because that's the one thing everybody worries about when we've got Calvin Phillips as one of our two centre-halves are we going to be able to survive it when we get typical Pulis ball and McLaren ball a couple ball of pods ago we, we mentioned this didn't we about he's a nice option to have when teams are just chucking balls in the box to just go yeah. well we have a giant ourselves here that's, he is and that's his game he absolutely loves just jumping above a defender and heading it over his head and that's what he came on it was funny when um, as soon as Smith was brought on they went uh, they called Halme from where he was warming up and he'd been warming up the whole second half I think they were worried not worried but had him ready in case they brought on the second striker because if there's two strikers Bielsa has to have three centre halves that's the that's the absolute rule and yeah there was a moment where because he he didn't quite move he moved fast to come and get ready but I thought Bielsa was going to like rip his tracksuit bottoms off him because he was just like going out a little bit too slow and there was a minute where it was two against two at the back he needed this kid to get ready a lot faster than he was. It's giving me palpitations thinking about it. It's overloads is what it's all about. We know that now. Yes. I thought we'd be able to rip in tracks at bottoms off us. That as well. That as well. I, all, I got excited about the, uh, you know, the Chilean ex-head of the FA yes. visiting him uh, wherever he was on the riverside. Bielsa's still in a tracksuit, which I enjoyed. But every time I, I hear these stories, I just fall a bit more in love with him. And I love the way he just wears, he's like, these clothes are free. I'm going to wear these. They've said I can have as many as I want. It's a very Yorkshire attitude towards things, yeah. isn't it? Trouble at Mill, though, for, uh, what's his name? This guy sounds like he's from Game of Thrones. You're good with the accents, Moscow. What's his name? He keeps reminding you, who's the pop star, Tony? I don't know. Anyway, Tony Leistner played the uh, the tweet EFO FA roulette on, I think it was Sunday when he did it. So he'd had a, he'd had a good 24 hours to think about it. I thought, you know, I know what would be a good idea. I'll Dis- go out. A disrepute charge. <laughs> I'll go out and tweet that it's hard to play against a tough team and the star, star, star referee. I don't know where Tony Lyston's from. Three stars, Huddersfield, maybe? Because <laughs> they're trying to work out what word git. he is. The git referee, referee, that's... Knob. Need a K at the start. Maybe ass. Was he an ass referee? Ace. That would. I don't think he was being complimentary. Good, G-U-D. <laughs> bad. Maybe it was bad. He, just thought, he, he didn't want to get on an FA charge, so if he, if he started out bad referee, he'd be okay with it. Whatever he was saying, Pontus reckons he should go to jail um, if he played for Leeds, which was quite... I think my favourite part, that was the part that was highlighted from, from Janssen, who's being quite... He's quite social media at the moment, is Pontus, because he said at the start of the season, it's like, now I have Captain Sweden and uh, I'm a father, I'm going to be very mature. I feel like I've grown up. I don't want it to all, all, all be you, about me anymore. You briefly now, get that when you're a father. You have a moment where you think, oh, I've got to really got to really knuckle down now and get on with things then you realize it's fine yeah the night <laughs> keep the, being an idiot the night of the birth he was back on his twitch channel streaming himself playing call of duty and then uh he was back doing his fist pumping at the end of this game he did it to both stands and then yeah so he's giving it back to uh to tony i did like all the best big man stay strong but yes tony has deleted the first tweet now so i think somebody may have had a word it'll be interesting to see if anybody anybody does do anything about that or if Pontus is right you don't play for Leeds, so you can say what you want. History suggests that once it's out there, it's out there and you can't take it back. No, but then history also suggests that the FA will go, um, who do you play for? And he'll say, not Leeds. And they'll go, fine. How was Jay Shack? Brilliant. I can't really fault him. No, I can't. I thought he was And I know really you good. love destroying young players. <laughs> he was very, very good. I'm not even going to let you start down that line. No, he was great. I very, thought... very anti-youth team, isn't he? Oh, I hate him. He had the two... Two jobs, first half, 
right back, overlapping, attacking. A lot more than Stuart Dallas, the actual mm. right winger playing right back, ever had. He made Alioski play well. I think two things helped. Alioski being on back on his right wing at that point and then him having the help from Shackleton and also having Shackleton to protect meant he was a bit more... Like his brain didn't fry. He just had the two things to do. He could use his right foot and help the kid out. And then the second half, he was marking there, number seven. So he was wandering about all over. And it's quite, it's one of those, um, this isn't criticism. (laughs) (laughs) But it was funny because you could see it's where his youth kind of came out because he he followed, he stuck to that player like glue. It was like, if you tell an attacking midfielder, you have to man-mark a winger. And he may as well like have got in his shirt with him because he was just following around like a puppy or something. But that seven didn't have a sniff, so he did the job very well. It's worth sort of recognising that he's not even a right back. No. What is he? Is he whatever we want him to be? I think he's he's generally played as a central midfielder, hasn't he? Yeah, he's supposed to be like a central attacking, like either a, an eight or a ten, to use the yeah. the Lamrani lingo. And normally for a young player, you'd think it's it's bad to mess his position around and stuff, but I don't know, under Bielsa it feels somehow magical. It feels like it's a good thing. He's doing it for their benefit. He'll turn him into Roberto Carlos, that's the thing. He won't just be like, he'll be playing, it won't be like when A.D. White had Neil Warnock playing him in every different position and giving him absolutely no help whatsoever. Or when Brian McDermott tried using him as a messy, he played him at number 10. That was the oddest one. That was the strangest one. This is actually, they'll probably be having intensive training. He'll have more videos than he'll know what to do with of the best right-backs in the world. Mel Sterland, Gary Kelly, <laughs> Paul Reaney. And uh, he'll have all his homework to do, and he'll come out. Yeah, he'll be he'll be the best right back around for as long as Bielsa's here, and then as soon as Bielsa goes, he'll probably forget it all. Saeed's back as well. As we we actually spoke about this last time out, about putting him in. I thought he played quite badly, but then I saw the highlights, and he was right in the middle of everything. So maybe I was a bit wrong. Maybe he just wasn't as good as he can be. Low on confidence. That's what Bielsa said, didn't he? Mm. He wasn't taking on players. I think what is good about him being there all the time is he gets marked and it was noticeable that whenever he got the ball, some of the players would like kick him three times and he wouldn't go down and the ref might go, I think you should stop kicking him actually, I'm going to give a free kick here. So we had that to deal with. But also because um, he goes into the space between the lines, as the tactics people uh, call them, and then a defender follows him and it means then Roof and Click can go, oh, well, we can do something here. So all that starts happening whenever Saez plays and it doesn't happen when he doesn't play. So... Even bad size is kind of useful in that respect. And then, yeah, he was... I don't think he really did anything wrong. He, he wasn't just, like didn't, he he just wasn't quite as loads. involved as yeah. I sort of want him to be, but even that is still quite involved. It's just, yeah. it's just his standard is very high. I think we might have just done some tactical analysis then. Sounded almost like it. We'll have to put a stop to this. Well, I did that a bit out. Forshaw yeah. was deep, played well as well, as we were we were asking for him to play deeper, and I thought, I thought he was potentially man of the match. I thought he did very well back there. Stopped him from turning round because there was nowhere for him to turn. He's basically, if you play as far back as possible so you're not tempted to pass the ball back any further, then that'll be fine. Stood on the goal line. Yeah. <laughs> Behind BPF. Well, that was, who was the, uh, was it a, an Italian manager or a French manager? I can't remember who he is, but he was proposing the, a new formation of playing the goalkeeper ahead of uh, the last defender, essentially as a midfielder. And that was going to be the new his new thing. Mega sweeper, kind of. Maybe Chris Wilder will do that with his overlapping centre-halves at Sheffield United. Yeah, and then Marcello Bielsa can say, yes, there's, a, there's another very good idea, Chris. I, I tried that, that once. Well, we are into uncharted waters now because we remain second, as we well know. But now five points clear of third. We are favourites to win this division and odds-on to get promoted. There's, there's a nice synchronicity with the QPR game from 2010, December 2010, we played them. 
and I wrote about it in the magazine. That's why I'm bringing it up. So it's all fresh in my mind that I just um, did this. But when we beat QPR 2-0 at Elland Road, biggest crowd in the country anywhere that day, looking back. And Warnock, who was managing QPR, spat his dummy out because he was all like, the way they were celebrating, you'd think they won the league already. And Grayson, perfectly, he was told that Warnock had said that. He just went, no, I think we could probably still get relegated. And that night, that day was actually perfect. So we beat QPR. There'd been a, a massive effort to get the match on, clear the snow off. After the match, Luciano Becchio signed a new contract. I don't know if he did it too near Neil Warnock and he never forgave him or something like that. And everything was just about, I think it was our like eighth game unbeaten or maybe eighth win in a row or something ridiculous. We've gone on some great run of form. Andy O'Brien had just come into the defence. Everything, everything was looking good. We had that springboard there. Yeah. So there's a warning from history. Maybe we should just enjoy it while it lasts. Bolton preview still to come. We'll look at our heroes and villains of the week in a bit. But first, Izzy Brown, not back on Saturday, but Pat Bamford back to the bench. But I think from what Bielsa said, they're still going to take it a bit easier with him. Yeah, it's interesting that a half-fit Bamford is preferred to a a fully fit Tyler Roberts. Unless Tyler Roberts is injured as well and does not say anything. Could have happened. Everybody else is getting injured. He may as well be. It's kind of reassuring that he's trying to ease them back in though. Not just pumping him full of cortisone and being like, go on, you're fine. <laughs> Instead it's hugs and positive exactly. positive reinforcement and sitting on the bench. Hopefully they won't be you know, wheelchair bound by the time they're 45 or whatever. Well, we missed this press conference, didn't we, last time um, we were recording on the same day, I think. And... It turns out Ailing is going to be back this month, so that's in the next couple of weeks. So that's all right, isn't it? Solve any problem, according to Bielsa, anyway. Yeah, I mean, if Shackleton continues playing well at right back, we may as well we could play Ailing, who's injured. Move Shackleton to centre back. Show off again. <laughs> A genuine midget at centre back. <laughs> or it could be that just whoever has become injured by the time Ailing comes back, it just slots in for them. So if it's Saez, ends up with his leg, finally gets snapped by somebody. Stick him as a uh, an ungonche. But I'm like you, Michael, when we were saying in the last podcast, it's like, we've got all these players to come back in and it's dead exciting because we're going to get better. Or like new signings. That's why we don't need to sign anyone, because we've timed all the injuries so they'll all return in January like we've bought them. It was interesting that just as another showing off move, we injured Louis Coyle, Fleetwood's right back on loan from us. I looked into this actually, yeah, he's a... Uh... Because everybody wants him back to play instead of Shackleton. And he does come back on the 6th of January, his loan actually ends. And yeah, Bielsa said he's going to take advice from Victor Orta about what to do with him. And then obviously he didn't play on Saturday because he's got he's got a rib injury apparently. Injured um, in their FA Cup match at Geisley. So it did happen within the LS postcode. I must admit I was in favour of bringing him back, but I mean, seeing Shackleton, probably no point. It's almost like Marcelo knows best. Yeah, it's a bit. He has been playing really well at Fleetwood. By all accounts, everybody says he's probably too good for League One, whether he's good enough for a the team, championship. A team almost certain to be promoted, if you look at <laughs> oh, the odds. Christ, what's going This podcast, what's happened? Um, so, but- essentially, we are going to have to pluck him from Fleetwood League One to the Premier League in the space of three months. That's quite a journey. Oh. There'll be a quiz question one day, that. Behave yourselves, gentlemen. Behave Who yourselves. was promoted from two divisions at once? It makes me uneasy getting confident. I don't like it at all. It's so- I, I completely expect us to bollocks it up. And I'm at the point where, because as well as betting on leads to go up, you can bet on leads to not go up, which looks kind of appealing. You said that last time. You've always traditionally done that, haven't you? You've- I have, yeah. And it's looking very, very tempting. I think we're about 1.8 or something in decimal odds, which basically means if you put £80 on leads, you'll win 180 back if we don't go up. And that would probably quite comfortably pay for your trip to Wembley to watch us lose in the playoff final. 
So yeah. it's like that's that then is free. Mm-hmm. The misery at least doesn't cost you anything in pounds, shillings and pence. Cooper, Dallas and Berardi back at the end of January, though. It turns out this injury crisis, not our fault. We thought it might have been on our shoulders, but as Marcelo said, it's God's fault. He's blamed the big man. <laughs> He's blaming himself, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Berardi coming back will be, I mean, that's quite a well-timed thing. Berardi just for that final push and back into the playoff places after we've lost loads of games without him. Or he comes back in and ruins it. It'll be one or the other, but that's... It'll be a morale boost having him back, I think, and he'll, he'll be well-timed. I hope he comes back around Valentine's Day. It's just this beautiful Swiss face. I want to see him on the bench in a, in a leather jacket. It was, it was Snodden who was on the bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, they generally, I think Wilkinson just used to like a couple of players hanging out with him. But that goes back, there was, I think I can remember, Eddie Gray, when he was still playing, sitting next to Don Revy with some very wide lapeled leather jackets going on. If you're not busy and you can make it down to the ground on Saturday... Can't play, but you can sit with us on the bench. Well, with the January transfer window coming up, looks like we're not signing anybody. There's a good article, actually, in the um, issue five of the mag that's just come out about uh, Dougie Freeman. Was he our best recent memory January transfer window signing? None this time. But it's quite a high bar to set he was good. He, made, he gave us a nice lift, did Dougie? He was vital. Also, I don't think he came until March. We were quite loose with the definition of January transfer window. It's a recent innovation. Um, but, yeah, trying to sign a player to make an impact. When you look at the, the players we have signed over the last however many years, like Edgar Charney, when he turned up, he was supposed to be the, the, the great saviour in summer. There was a bunch of others that just turned and up in Goy as well, the defend, the midfielder who played one game, I think. Grandi and Goy. We, we signed him when he was injured, and he was injured for then about another eight weeks. Exactly. Everybody's in that state by then. But yeah, looking, there was only really Richard Naylor that I could find. It was kind of like a rival to the, the Doogie Friedman effect. Nobody this time. Not getting anybody this time. Marcelo's spoken, and he knows best. Who are we to question him? We'd never question a manager of Leeds, would we? Uh, well, if it was Paul Heckingbottom, I'd mm-hmm. probably be questioning him all the way up and down the M1, as he'd, he'd get, would say. He'd get a gritty northerner from South Yorkshire who's just been milling around in League One, wouldn't he? Yeah, and it would be, I think I liked Bielsa's assessment of, of buying things in the January transfer window. And he said, when you buy these players, you are shown to be doing something during the transfer window. It's all about, you've got to go and spend that money just because... He's supposed to. I think what's his face off Sky Sports will come around and like start slapping you around the back of the head. Of Spend some money, the window's open. That's what happens, I believe. He goes round, it's like a three line whip. Do you mean didn't Mrs. Doubtfire was that? <laughs> One for the possible future youth team, which means you'll hate them anyway, Moscow. This baby craze. Everyone's at it. We well at least we know now why we were crap at the end of last season. They were all getting up to no good with their other halves. Mrs. Saiz is also doing she Senora Saiz. Getting up to very good by the sounds of it. it was- Effective, more effective than they were um, on the pitch, etc. Maybe it even goes to explain, did you see Liam Cooper's inexplicably tight trousers on LUT? Have you seen the picture of that on LUTV? Mm. I've yet to see this. Do you want to have a look? I can show you it's saved on my phone for some reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you describe that as a legging? It's really hard to tell. I mean, I'll, I'll zoom in on his calves. <laughs> There's not a lot of That's room to breathe in there, is there? I was thinking maybe this is now, this is another... Bielsa special. He's trying to lower the sperm count by having them all in tight trousers. Something I mean, like that. thank God he has got his hand over his crotch in this picture. He's matched his hoodie with his, his jogging bombs. The only thing you can say in his favour is he's not well. You know, he has had a serious operation. They've dragged him out of hospital and stuck him in a... I mean, his wife's not a very comfortable looking chair. His wife's... Um, yeah, and the only... He's just put on the first things, whatever he was sleep, happened to be sleeping in. And they happened to be... 
Mrs. Cooper's jeggings. <laughs> if he's comfortable, you know, the white baseball cap really tops off that, that ensemble. Far be it from me to suggest that he does look like um, they just dragged him from... Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm about to liken him to like a spice victim, but it's probably not. <laughs> but he does have that look. The shoes are suspiciously clean as if somebody's just had to like clean vomit off them. So that's all. Just Nick from JD Sports. Tight trousers, then another great innovation of Marcelo's. Good to see him as well. Not moaning about the Christmas schedule. Just like, yeah, I like it. Lots of football. It's like the football. tradition, as he said. Uh, if something's become a tradition, it must be because it has value and things that are value we should keep. Respectful. So, He's respectful. Yes. He might be changing his mind after three games in five it's days. one of those things that everyone's doing it, so... Yeah. And it's not like the old days when we used to play... We'd play Arsenal away on Boxing Day and then we'd play Arsenal at home the next day. <laughs> Every damn year. It did happen, didn't it? That yeah, year. all the time. <laughs> Crazy. And in those days as well, players had had a full Christmas dinner and 14 <laughs> pints in a... <laughs> Bottle of pots and still had to play. <laughs> and, and clear the pitch beforehand, yeah. Interesting bit of intel on the academy as well. Um, training ground guru, the site uh, run by Simon Austin, isn't it, who does it? Yes, once uh, Cellino's best friend. <laughs> I don't think they get on so well anymore, so he just concentrates on writing about uh, coaches. It's for the best. And stuff. Yeah, and somebody on, uh, I don't think he actually did this report, but somebody on the website did. And they do it every year, assessing the productivity of all the academies in the country based on how many players they have playing in the league. And Leeds United's Thorpe Arch is the top-rated Category 2 academy in terms of players actually playing 12th out of all the academies in the country. So we are a lot better than a lot of Category 1 academies because Neil Redfern and Lucy Wood kept it open. And the people there, it's uh, it's Richard Craswell, who's now doing a lot of that work with Adam Underwood, have um, rescued it from the, the teetering edge of the abyss that Massimo Cellino was pushing it towards. It's remarkable that we've managed to stay there, because like you say, for large periods of the last 15 years, it's been quite badly underfunded. But it's still, we've always managed to keep a fairly consistent ticking over of reasonable players out of it. Yeah. And occasionally, incredibly good players. They've actually built new facilities, like Bielsa made them build this new block that's there, there now. That's like, that's Bearing in mind we didn't used to have water in the damn pool. And Luke Murphy used to have to beg Matthew Smith to bring lunch and socks for him. No, it was Sam Byram who had to, they had to buy their own socks at one point. Do you remember this? There's a big Twitter controversy because Sam Byram was, it became apparent that he was tweeting the other players going like, what socks are you getting? Like, what colour are we supposed to buy? Can I have jam sandwiches today? Exactly. Yeah. And it was, it was so funny that it was Matthew Smith who was whipping up the pasta for all the players because they plainly had not had to cook for themselves. So on the one hand, it was like, yes, molly coddled footballers run it like an army barracks, but a really shit one. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, you're supposed to molly coddle footballers now or at least feed them and don't give them botulism. Always a preferred option. James Milner would not have played 500 Premier League games if he'd had to grow up in a, a botulist. Um, Thorpe Arch sounds like a bar the botulist <laughs> we should don't don't put that out we'll we'll trademark that we'll open it the square ball's new bar the botulist 500 games little Jimmy Milner I remember him when he was only knee high to a grasshopper coming back next year that's the rumour every year let's start it again <laughs> if we go up I'm, I'm fairly convinced he'll want to finish his career at Ellen Road he is out of contract isn't he I don't I think know think at the end of the year if we went up you never know even if we don't. He could, he could come back and disappoint us. I loved the theory that that's why he's learning Spanish, because he somehow knew that Bielsa would be signing six months later. 
oh, we, but you know, he's got it all lined up. But he has got it all lined up. That's some deep state stuff, that isn't it? That is. But yeah, 500 games, 13th player in Premier League history. So it's quite a significant achievement. Gary Speed made 535, so he'll probably should catch him up. Lewis Cook, on the other hand, has ruptured his anterior cruciate ligament, so um, we'll not play all. Again. Yeah, that's basically it now for Cook. I don't want to write. I don't want to write off a young player um, like <laughs> heaven, that. Heaven forfend. But yeah, that's not that's not good. Although I can't remember. Apparently, half of uh, the Bournemouth squad have all done their anterior cruciate ligaments at some point, so they're all like, hopefully, it all kind of concords, and they don't spend the next nine months arguing over how high he should raise his knee when he's at home, how tight his jeggings should be. Hey, now we know why that tour to Myanmar was carried out. Poor Paul Heckingbottom being sent out there on his Todd. At least he got to see the world. I mean, he'd never seen out Barnsley before. That's true. I mean, once you go sort of off Junction 36 of the M1, that is a fairly horrifying place. The reason I'm mentioning this is because we've been moved for telly abroad Sunday, 2pm, the QPR Cup game. Is it only being shown in Myanmar? Is Is that the thing they've bought exclusive rights so the game has to move? I mean, I did make that up, so I have no idea, presumably. First, the Copa Libertadores moves from Buenos Aires to Madrid. Next, it'll be the our third round games to QPR. I'm surprised we don't have to play it in Myanmar. Maybe we should play it in uh, Buenos Aires to have all the local fans there who missed out on the, the final. They could watch that instead. We'll even wear the kits. We can lead City used to have a kind of a Boca Juniors kind of look. We'll be Boca Juniors. Uh, QPR can be River Plate. It's the way the world's going. Modern football, you mark my words. We'll be we'll be doing that next season. I mean, we are all Leeds fans, and this is a terrible, terrible game to put on telly. There's got to be better third-round cup games than this. This must be about 14th choice for someone. Man, if Man United can get on against bloody Reading... Just yeah, be, another, just another terrible choice. Awful. I think I've, I've not looked at it fully, but I think our, our ex-friends at the Football Supporters Federation... Um, and so because they, they didn't give us um, our fanzine award this year, pointed out that lots of the FA Cup matches have been moved for this mysterious overseas broadcast market. So there's only about ten games that are, that are not being shown somewhere in the world. Which you think FA Cup third round on a Saturday? There's a lot of matches that are just being fiddled with for the benefit of the lovely people of Myanmar. So, I mean, I don't begrudge them the pleasure of watching Leeds United play. Gather they've had it quite difficult recently, so might help a bit. Some of them. It's a very stratified uh, society over there. I think in, in one part of the country doesn't know what's happening in the, the rest of the country. There's information wars sort of insulate them from some of the terrible things that are happening within their, their states, like J. Roy Grot holding a, a coaching session for local children. I think they, they protected, they kept that off the news. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. We'll preview Bolton for you in a few minutes. First of all, if there's one thing we can do well, it's cast judgment, pointing at people, saying, this is your fault, Sunshine. Uh, this is Heroes and Villains. First, let's deal with villains, the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Somebody who has darkened our door, thrown shade in our direction, something along those lines across the last week. Ken Bates has his own nomination. Ken Bates, I think the I don't know what shape he would cast if you cut if you had him standing side on. I don't think I think if you is it mirrors? If you look in a mirror, you can't see him, or does he not cast a shadow? I can't remember. That's a, that's an interesting question. So maybe this is why we nominate him for having no reflection and no shadow. Good a reason as any. And we need a reason. Who else? We can we can we lump in the Sun and Talksport. Are they owned by the same people? They are. They certainly have a similar. They have a similar agenda and output, mm. which is basically lies and shit. So yeah, for tra- the sun on Sunday, we're trying to uh, create some Calvin Phillips to West Brom thing, which is there doesn't seem to be any truth in it. They've just gone; he's a good player. West Brom have got some parachute payments. They'll probably try and buy him. The detail on it is even more nefarious than that. They've actually said because Leeds will not want to sell their ten million pound rated midfielder, so West Brom will have to wait until the summer to get him. So it will be reliant on them winning promotion and Leeds not, so that West Brom can make his Premier League dreams come true. So it's not just that they'll steal Calvin Phillips; it's they'll get promoted and Leeds won't, and they will buy Calvin Phillips. It's a whole, it's a whole thing, very reminiscent of. 1992, when we were going for the league title and uh, suddenly there were lots of stories about Gary McAllister signing for Manchester United and or Rangers. Probably, or I don't think he could have got away with both. Um, <laughs> Probably one or the other. But it, that was a similar thing of like, oh, Leeds are good. We'd better make up loads of shit about their best players. And then the Moose, who, for those who don't know, he's kind of a, a gland of a, <laughs> of a, of a person. He, I feel a bit sorry for him because I feel he's, I don't know. He's a bit of a pawn within this thing. He's he's a, he's an idiot who can be exploited to give a stupid opinion. Yeah, his name's Ian Abrahams, really, and he tends. To, he's basically like a clickbait journalist, isn't he? Like he said, yeah. for example, it was about Newcastle. There's nothing to do in Newcastle whatsoever. Which, as a person who works in Newcastle, I'd like to say is not the case. There's plenty to do in mm-hmm. Newcastle. And he said uh, that it's bad for English football if Norwich and, to a lesser extent, Leeds go up because having fewer English managers in the Premier League would be a bad thing. And he's a West Ham fan who are managed by Pellegrino. So. And I don't know how he managed to make the judgment as well that it would be bad if Norwich went up, and but not quite as bad if we went up. If his point is about English managers, does he judge, does he just not like Germans in particular? I think that was it. I, I made the mistake if I listened to about the first 30 seconds. And it's important to note it was prefaced by, he was like, this is going to be my opinion now, Right. And I was going like, all right, come on, what's your argument today? Because that's it. It's just like, I'm going to say something outrageous now. And it was the, it was kind of the chain of Klopp, Wagner, Fark, 
that we're opening the floodgates to bespectacled intellectual a, Germans. It's all a bit Brexity, isn't it? It's a bit Brexity. It was very much bit. in that vein. But it's what's important to note about it is it's bullshit. I don't think he even thinks this. No. It's just something has gone, especially with the news about Brexit and the whole the vote being cancelled in the House of Commons tomorrow and all this kind of shit happening this afternoon. They've gone, what can we do that will really build off that and rile people up? And which fans are really good at get, uh, to rile up? Leeds fans, and we'll do a big anti-German thing, but we'll throw in Bielsa because Germany, Argentina, they were probably on the same side in some war, eh? Falklands. <laughs> were Germany on their side? No, the just, it's just a war. I just started dropping some wars in. That's probably, we're probably giving it more thought than, than they did. No, and that's all it is. No, think, and then I put it out there in a tweet because nobody listens to the fucking radio station, so they have to tweet it out and then everybody gets angry about it. I was going to say, you're exactly right. It's always a surefire measure that if it's a bit clickbaity if they've clipped it and tweeted it. Yeah. Reaction. Ah, let's get angry. Anyway. Uh, Why speak- can't they just go back to being racist about Raheem Sterling? Uh, the LUTV commentator at the weekend called uh, Marcelo Bielsa Massimo Cellino accidentally, so... I missed this, because I, uh, I was at the game. No, I mean, I'm going purely what? on second-hand Twitter reports, but other than that... I mean, it's not out of character for... It's Michael Weedock who is, is taken over from Tom Cohen this season. He used to do all the LUTV commentaries. He's doing them all again, and he is a bit of a... He's a bit of a one for last all last season. It was... Saiz has got the ball, moves inside. Saiz dribbling with the ball, and then you hear Eddie Gray's go. I think it's Alioski. He's like, oh, it's Alioski with the ball. But there's a yeah to get from Bielsa to Chilino. Was he there? Was he there with Chilino at the same time? Is it one of these things where you call a teacher mum? <laughs> God, that was awful, wasn't it? And you did. Did you ever do that? I'm sure I probably did. I think everyone's done it. Worst thing that happened for me at school was drinking piss. <laughs> <laughs> they did not have milk at your school. We got free milk. Out. Bradford. Bradford. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thatcher, the milk snatcher. No, uh, it was uh, two boys. Uh, they departed the shop just opposite the school uh, with a can of Coke, offered it to me. I thought, I'll have some of that. Do you want some of that? I'll have some of that. I had a drink. It was piss. How was it? It was warm. So fairly fresh. It's probably the best thing I can say about it. I, so I, gra- I grassed them up and they didn't get to go to Lightwater Valley on a school trip. So... <laughs> Who was the real winner? Well, well they didn't drink piss. No, to be I was going to say, I think it's a mediocre theme park as well, I'd say. You know, I'd probably rather not drink piss. I feel we've taken a little bit of a left turn there, so should we go back on to... Someone who drinks piss? This, yeah. This tr- <laughs> I would like to pop in uh, Liam Cooper for his trousers. They were challenging to the eye. That's fair. I think they should belong in. I've got... Um, Paul Heckingbottom has reared his, his head... Uh, this week, and we'll come on to why he has reared his head in the, the second part, but he's basically said something weird about Leeds having all their eggs in one basket now in terms of this season or next for promotion. For this sort of hierarchy, they've got to do it, they're committed to it, and there was a bit of, we're talking about the, our sort of hierarchy and that we've, we've basically thrown everything, I think he's trying to imply that if we don't go up, everything is, is lost. And yeah, he was like, uh, there's no guarantee, and it was all friends like, Leeds has to be very careful about trying to get promoted because... We might not. I don't think he's noticed that we've replaced him with Marcello Bielsa. I do suspect that this was probably just the throwaway line that's been amplified a little bit. Maybe. The more important thing that he needed to get out of that is that he is chomping at the bit for a new job. He's missing the craziness and the games. I'm missing it all. He said, I've had quite a few offers, but they just weren't right at the time. (coughs) Steve Evans, (coughs) bullshit. So if Bielsa does suddenly flounce off, if the job becomes available and he changes 
everything he's ever stood for and all the habits of his entire life and decides to take it. I mean, if, there's one, if, there, if there is one club that can do it to him... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It's this one. If God's causing our injuries, God can change Marcelo Bielsa and That's all it. his habits. He may renounce uh, God and go and start worshipping Satan and managing somebody else. Cardiff, probably, if they get rid of Warnock. Maybe we'll go and team up with him. Instead of that mad idea of uh, Mark Hughes coming to be his number two, which is absolute insanity... Um, he could go and be, it's just as likely that he would go and be, hey, Marcello, I've, I've seen, I love what you've been doing at Leeds. I, I feel like Kevin, Kevin, Blackie's a great lad, you know, but he's not really giving me what I need anymore. I reckon I need, I need a new voice. The players need to hear a new voice. Maybe, maybe they listen to you because, because I don't go fucking near them. I, I stay with Sharon at the time. So I've just, had, I've had a, I've had a two week birthday party and I, I, I can't be bothered training. I'm fucking sick of soul band for me. <laughs> I just pretend to like him on match of the day. He's a great lad. They're all great lads. I fucking hate them and I wish he was dead. <laughs> He's going to be an I'm a celebrity next year, isn't he? He God. probably will be at some point. Well, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, Harry Redknapp's opened the floodgates there, hasn't he? So why would you not have Neil Warnock? Maybe that is one of the offers hacking bottom as, as face. But he'll have, been, he'll have been offered like eight grand to go in. It'll have been a really crap offer for him. Can you imagine him in the jungle trying to it's, it's train all the parrots? It's all right, I, 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 had a, I had a Kestrel back, back at home. Say from Barnsley as well, they eat awful and stuff though. He would, have... He's definitely eating Ball's penis in his life, hasn't he? Of course he has, it'd be a treat for him. Yeah, they'd be chucking all that stuff and I was like, I thought this was supposed to be difficult. <laughs> like, I haven't eaten this well since I was managing Leeds. Reminds me of my mum's cooking. <laughs> Do we have any further nominees for this Villainy Award or should we move on? I think that's a lot of them. Who are we going to give it to? I'm happy to give it to like a combined Sun and Talk Sport, but not just the people involved, just all of them. Yeah. Murdoch? Yeah. Is he still at the top of it? Probably. Yeah, so... Do we... Even if he's not, he's a dickhead. Well done, Rupert Murdoch. Didn't see <laughs> that one go. coming. There we go. Uh, moving on to more positive matters. This is the Andy Hughes Hero Award. For somebody who has lightened things for us, brought joy to our world in the last week. An obvious mention, first of all, for his goals, Kimar Roof. Yes. Likes QPR. Missed loads of chances, though. Get him in the villains. Did slightly make up for it by celebrating right in the goalkeeper's face after scoring the penalty. <laughs> Because I normally don't enjoy his weird little hand signal celebration. It looks way too complicated and it'd be easier to just flap them around like the guy who gave the penalty away. Somebody on your shit list? Somebody else then? The, the keeper's doing that annoying thing as well. He does, you know when keepers like push the crossbar? Keepers who do that never seem to save them though. No, but they make themselves look big. So it's like an opportunity. You know the camera's on you. Maybe the girl you're chatting up is watching. So it's like I'm going to push the crossbar, show off for a little while. Make sure she sees this. A up Sharon. <laughs> Because I'm not implying that it would be Sharon Warnock, of course. I'm sure she's absolutely devoted to Neil. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't see why we can't. I mean, because Kemar Roof is probably going to lose his place soon. He scored 10 goals, but Pat Bamford's going to come in and score 30 in the rest of the season. So it might be our last opportunity to nominate him for some heroism. This is uh, a bit of a romantic notion, but I would like to put Marcelo Bielsa in there just for making me look forward to weekends again because it's genuinely affected my mood in a positive way. And when international breaks come around now, you kind of go, ah, oh, it's a shame. Whereas before it was like a nice, it was a break for us as Leeds fans as well. You could be like, oh, good, don't have to, don't have to worry about that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and you don't even get the, the press conferences either, so you don't have the opportunity. Like, If you remember back in like 2010, 11, when Ken Bates was chairman, we used to, uh, it was Andy Hay, Faxman on Twitter, used to transcribe his weekly bile unleashings on 
Radio Yorkshire. And we used to look, look, wait for that so we could rip it to shreds. Now we all wait for the transcript. Everyone's eagerly get, writing down every single word so that we can praise it and analyse it and enjoy it and relish it and absorb its wisdom and come away not really much wiser. I think it's only fair that we acknowledge a referee. I think it would be a first ever entrance entry for a referee in the in the hero i can't remember ever but well we haven't had any reason peter banks because if there's one thing we learned the last podcast we're very pro ref yes. we're very pro ref well the one thing we have learned from bielsa is that they are our colleagues and they have a very difficult job and we have to help them not be such useless leads hating twats we are learning from the great man he's making us yeah. better people he is peter so. banks was he one of the uh, mary poppins family i believe so yes and finally anybody else um jamie shackleton mainly because I want to get off this narrative that I hate youth players. Um, so Jamie Shackleton, the tiniest of all... I was a little bit worried when Matthew Smith came on that he might trample over him. Played exceptionally well out of position, sprinted down the wing, brought the best out of Alioski, which is really fucking difficult, and uh, and would be a worthy winner. I think Leeds fans as well, for the food bank collection stuff. That's been going on the last few weeks, and I think it sounded like it was a sort of the best week yet kind of pre-Christmas. Leeds fans are nice, turns out. <laughs> a rare dabble into sincerity on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's the Supporters Trust driving that and they're, uh, yeah, they're doing very, very well. Pick yourself a winner. It's tough because obviously the most worthy effort is the Supporters Trust collecting, feeding hungry people who need help. But obviously I have self-interested reasons in why Jamie Shackleton should win to make me look like a nicer person. Well, we're not having that. (laughs) Congratulations to the uh, Leeds United supporters then. Yeah, my vote as well. Yep, well done. Feeding the hungry. And screw you in your hate campaign. (laughs) Bolton on the way then. Five on the bounce. Will we do it? Yes. Yes, correct. Going to be absolutely fine. Bolton, well, they're broke. Where are they? Bottom of the league, I assume. I haven't even looked because I just assume they are propping up the league table. Luke Murphy can't even get in their team. So what does that tell you? Well, I spoke to the Bolton fan at work, Mitch, and got him to jump into a studio and recorded our chat. And I did ask him how skint they were. This is what he had to say. You know, we pretty much can't afford to even play our, uh, pay our players at the moment. Um, word on the street is, or staff. Um, but apart from that, it's all going fine. Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, we've, we're, we're plummeting. Can't really see us climbing out of that unless something drastically changes in January. But I can't see that happening anyway because we've got no money. So nailed on win against Leeds then? Our heart's there. Our heart's in the right place. And I think we're really working uh, working hard on the training uh, on the training ground. And you could see that in um, our game against Norwich. But I'm Yeah, why Leeds. didn't you hold out for that, you wankers? I, I have no... <laughs> I was thinking, I bet loads of Leeds fans are like, yeah, oh my God. And then 2-1, 2-2, couldn't believe my eyes. And then Sammy Amiobi goes and gets himself uh, you know, himself sent off. And then after that, it all went downhill, I think. What do you think of Leeds? You're on fire at the moment, aren't you? Mm, four wins on the bounce, will we make it five? I'm going to say probably yes, <laughs> but we won't make it easy for you. I'm not, you know, we won't make it easy for you, I don't think. First thing I want to say is I'm not sure I'm comfortable having such a broad Lancashire accent on this podcast. Felt a little alien and a little uncomfortable. I've got like, like an urge to go and like hit we him could, in his trice. We could re-record it with the Yorkshire accent. Maybe, yes. You could get uh, Harry Gration to read it. Like they used to do with Jerry Adams when he was on the news, when his voice wasn't allowed to be played out. I think the other thing is that they, like when he says they are plummeting, I mean, what has happened with Bolton uh, today is they've had a letter from their, their chairman basically a long screed. I didn't read all, but it basically was, yeah, we are 
skint and everything's terrible. But then it does end with, Leeds will be bringing a big following with them and it is imperative that our supporters get behind our players from the first whistle until the last and generate an intimidating atmosphere. It's my best Lancashire accent, I'm trying. Mrs um, Doubtfire's back again. Um, so that's, the, yeah, so they're basically hinging all their hopes. Tickets are available to buy now and get behind the players at the University of Bolton Stadium. It even sounds like they're just playing on a 3G pitch now, doesn't it? Um, Bolton doesn't have a university. Come on. Who are you kidding? It'll just be an upgraded poly. You know what it is. <laughs> so there are that say, and it, it does actually continue after that. He, he points out the other important message he wanted to get across to the supporters. that The wonderful Wizard of Oz family Christmas show has already started in Premier Suite, and there are shows right up until New Year's Eve. Performances are receiving rave reviews. I would urge you to book onto one of the shows and treat your family over the festive period, because there'll be fuck all good football to watch, I think. But at least they've got, you know, I hope they're putting it on during the match. Um, so at least these poor sods have an option that they can go and watch the wonderful Wizard of Oz. We used to do pantomimes. So I'm thinking the Jimmy Armfield era, not the Chilino one, but we did a, did a little bit of stage action. Was it Dame uh, Norman Hunter and all that sort of stuff? Yes, and it was um, the fairy Gordon McQueen was one of the, the main characters and Billy Bremner's buttons. It was his team bond. It was his way of repairing the damage that Brian Clough had done to get them all together and he took a risk and he actually, yeah, Jimmy Armfield wrote um, the pantomime and they put it on at the Sea of Varieties. It's a tragedy that there is not recording of that it doesn't survive because that would be wonderful. There are photographs and they're good enough. But I can imagine Bielsa and Lamrani sitting down and writing a play in their spare time. Wouldn't be very family friendly. It'd be bleak, I think. <laughs> it would be, be like waiting for Godot Part 2, waiting for Brady to get fit and just sitting either side of a tree on a bench. Dark, stark st- stage. Probably give it this same build-up. Andrea Ratchett's only going out gladding. It's going to be, it's going to be hilarious. Everybody come down to the City Varieties. We're going to have a, a big old show. Feels like it'll be on at the uh, the Leeds Playhouse. Does this one a bit more serious? Anyway, we digress. Will we beat Bolton? You've said yes. Oh, we've got to talk about um, what they're doing. WhoScored.com tells us oh. uh, strength. They're very strong at aerial duels, so we might need Halme. That's, that's, that's David Wheater. I'm just looking at their squad. It's, it's outstanding like a- that David Wheater plays for them. Didn't he leave Middlesbrough to go to the Premier League with Bolton? I think so, yeah. They've got some. It's like a, a weird 90s throwback team because they've got Mike Little, also in defence, so Joe Mangle. Better known as. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, from Neighbours. I, I, I think it's the same guy. They obviously, yeah, they, as you say, they have um, Sammy Amiobi, already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Again, a player I, I kind of thought had disappeared along with Newcastle somewhere. Will Buckley, once on loan at us, so he's probably going to score. Clayton Donaldson, who I think he's he must be in his 50s now. Lloyd Dyer, also a League One player from when we were there. These these people are all in the 50s. Stephen Ireland. Steve Steve Ireland's not playing for Bolton. He is. He's in their squad. He, I'm sure he would have retired in grief after all like six of his grandmothers died. All the grandparents, yeah. But no, still playing. Uh, It's unbelievable they're in this league, to be fair, looking at that squad. So you've got to say well done to him. It's Phil Parkinson's still their manager, isn't it? So he's... Oh, he's a dickhead, don't you? That's a shame. But then against it is you do actually have to begrudgingly say, well done. (laughs) It was funny, I suppose, their uh, managing expectations when Luke Murphy did go there and I looked on Bolton's forums to see what the reaction was, and they were greeting. It was like as if they had signed Messi was coming. He's like, oh, he's, that's exactly the player we need. He's going to really, really improve our midfield. That's What a signing this is going to be. 
I mean, Jesus Christ. I've never had a big problem with Lukey Millions, but he's not. If if he's the player you're greeting, I suppose that's possibly a way of putting it, because we greeted Luke Murphy a bit like that when we paid a million quid for him from crew. At least he was on the way up. But I do hear and see some echoes in Bolton of us circa that 2005, six era where we're like, oh no, we'll be, we'll be fine. Like, I think might not get the playoffs this year. But I think next year we'll be all right. The players are showing some fight. They're all really behind Dennis Wise. They're really, you know, now, we got, now we've changed from Blackwell. It's going to be fine now. That um, Kevin Nichols looks really, really up for this. <laughs> the captain fantastic will save the day. Another game we should win. We should win this. Oh, big style. I hope we beat them horribly. Keep um, So much so that, like, the, the performance of the wonderful Wizard of Oz that night is just Dorothy crying onto her little dog for an hour because... We've broken Bolton hearts so thoroughly. Do you find this, that you keep expecting us at some point to hand out an absolute hammering to somebody? I, I keep texting one of my mates saying, is this the week? Is this the week? Because we feel like we're on the verge of it. Is this the one? It could have been QPR. We could have been three up inside half an hour and then any plan they had goes completely out the window. Mm. And even if the McLaren's still shouting at them to waste time while three nil down, a lot of them won't be asked to do it and we could have, we could have battered them, but... As it was, we scraped past him. But yeah, if we're going to do it, David Wheater, for Christ's sake. He was never good 10 years ago. I'll take back what I said about Clayton Donaldson being old, though he's the uh, same age as me, turns out. So I'm quite, <laughs> quite a young man still. Do you reckon you could get a game if you turned up at Bolt, put on a... If you pretended you like beef and dripping. <laughs> I've got, I've got me, the girth of Kevin Davis without the, without the height. Low centre of gravity, though. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Which is always good. We Deceptively understand. slow. After this one, we're, we're properly knee-deep into Christmas then, aren't we? Villa away and Blackburn at home, and then we're halfway through the season. And um, by which time, we will be triumphantly top, points clear of third, and ready just to cruise it home in the second half of the season. If we beat Villa away, then we are basically going up. It's a bold prediction. Uh, I just want to counteract that for the sake of like curses and the cosmos. Even if we beat Villa, we're probably not going up. <laughs> We managed to safely navigate that, Michael, without too much who scored. We filled it with what might be otherwise termed content. <laughs> well, it they, was mainly just listing players who <laughs> were playing ten years ago and have got worse since. But. To be fair, when it looked on who scored, they have th- they have three strengths, so it, there's not really a lot to go at. We're supposed to be wrapping this up, and we've gone back a section, so let's do the wrap up now. A uh, quick note to say thank you if you've taken a moment out to buy issue five of the fanzine, which came out. On Saturday against QPR, you can still get hold of that via the website. Uh, we're on the socials as well. If you want to get in touch, tell us what you think of this nonsense. We are the square ball across all the platforms. Finally, if you do fancy supporting us a little bit, get a digital subscription. Pound a month and you get all the mags and you help to fund all this nonsense that we do. And if you want to get some winter clobber, there is the jumpers, hoodies and t-shirts on sale as well. That's it for this time and we'll speak to you again soon. The Square Ball Podcast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 